We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. And welcome to another edition of the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talk Star Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and of course on Simul TV. If you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for all the shows that we have on the Exxon TV channel and our Exxon TV channel guide, visit www.simultv.com and in their search engine on the top front page, just type in Exxon. Exxon Nation, tonight a very special guest, Kathleen Marden is our guest. And Kathleen is one of the world's foremost authorities on UFO and NHI contact and the author of several books, a featured on camera commentator and an international lecturer. Now, Kathleen earned her BA degree in social work and worked as an educator in the educational services field while attending graduate school. She is a practitioner of regression hypnosis and the quantum healing hypnosis technique and is director of the Sacred Pathway Center for Hypnosis. Her interest in UFOs and contact began in 1961 when her aunt and uncle, Betty and Barney Hill, had a close encounter and subsequent abduction in New Hampshire's White Mountains. She is a generational experiencer. Joining me now to talk about her new book entitled Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted, is Kathleen Martin. And Kathleen, welcome back to the Exome. Thank you. It's great to be back. Congratulations on yet another book. And, uh, you know, the last time I talked to you, it was your, your, your other book. Uh, we had you on with the, your late... Uh, you know, uh, standard co-authors, co-author, good friend. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I miss the conversations I used to have with Stanton. He was a, a very oh, good man. I do too. Yeah. So yeah. Kat, tell us a little bit about your new book, extraterrestrial contact, what to do when you've been abducted. Well, I thought that the UFO field mm -hmm. and especially experiencers really needed this book. There was nothing like this out there for people to read and I am the director of the Mutual UFO Network's Experiencer Research Team right. and uh, that team was set up in 2011. We now have 30 people who speak to experiencers on a day-to-day -day basis and five consultants in the field of psychology with PhDs uh, who uh, assist us in determining what to do with certain cases. We can also make referrals. So uh, 
I wanted something that people could just pick up and read to help them to resolve their issues because there aren't always uh, hypnotherapists and psychotherapists who believe that this is real. And uh, for, this is for everybody, but especially for people who don't have resources. I also wrote this book for uh, the general public, for people who are interested in this topic. And I've talked about um, many of my cases in the book. So in the book, I teach people how to investigate their right. own experiences. So many people want to know if this really happened to them. They haven't been able to make up their minds. They're not sure if they have sleep paralysis, if they're dreaming, it seems real. Uh, they don't know how to look for evidence. So this is a chapter that helps people. We also have a couple of chapters on how to cope with your experiences. I wrote a chapter on the social research studies that have been done and what we've learned from them. And also, we have chapters on uh, paranormal phenomena. When you discover that it may not be ET, what if it's ghosts or interdimensional beings instead? Uh, and how will you know that? And also on becoming more psychic and what to do if you want this to stop. Not everyone wants this to continue. Uh, in our study, our most recent study at the Mutual UFO Network, it was a three-year study that I did with other members of my team and Dr. Don C. Dondary from McGill University, psychologist and statistician. Well, one of the questions we asked is, if you could make this stop today, would you? And only 29% said that they wanted it to stop today. 71% did not want it to stop. Uh, but I wrote that chapter because there are a lot of people who do want this experience to end. So it's filled with ideas. Uh, from a number of different sources, ideas that I've come up with, that people on my team have come up with, uh, other experiencers mm -hmm. have come up with that work for some people. And then I wrote a chapter on going public. What, what to expect if you want to take your story to the public? Let's, let's start at the beginning. How would one person who believes that they've been abducted or that they have had contact with an extraterrestrial source, how would, what are some of the telltale signs that they have, in fact, had contact or been abducted? Well, what we discovered is that the vast majority mm -hmm. of abductees have actually had a close encounter with craft, and their relatives have as well we found a generational component. And not only have they seen craft, but they have conscious recall of observing non-human entities at least one time. So those are very clear markers. Other things that people have to look for is oftentimes when experiencers are taken from their homes, which happens so frequently now as opposed to years ago, 
when people were taken from uh, outside when they were fishing or driving or camping or hiking. Well, uh, it's confusing today. But most people who are having these experiences wake up feeling extremely tired, as if they were awake all night doing something. And suddenly they've snapped awake and uh, they are just wiped out. Uh, they can check their bodies. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they, they will find unique patterned marks on their bodies that uh, they haven't found in association with any bruises or cuts or anything that they have gotten from their own home environment. Uh, They might find fluorescence on their bodies. If they have a black light or a UV light, Mm -hmm. they can go into a dark room and check themselves out to find out if they can see fluorescence. Now, certain things will fluoresce. Uh, Oils, for example, will fluoresce on the human body. Some creams. Yeast will fluoresce. And uh, also... If you're shining a UV light at your wall, you might find fluorescent marks on the wall because joint compound fluoresces as well. Uh, So, but these uh, marks left by ETs are patterned fluorescent marks. And I'm not going to say exactly what they are because we have wannabes out there who are going to be troublesome for MUFON investigators uh, when they create false evidence. So we do keep this evidence to ourselves, but we give people ideas on how to search for evidence. Also, I recommend that anyone who believes they're having these experiences Mm -hmm. should keep a journal on their nightstand. And as soon as something happens, they should journal it, document it in great detail, the date, the time frame, anything that they find uh, that that causes them to believe that this experience was real. All right, and Kathleen, also- I hate to do this, hon, but you and I have to take our first break, so please stand by. Exonation, our guest this hour is Kathleen Marden. Her website is www.kathleen-marden.com. And we're talking about Kathleen's new book entitled Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com and on all social media sites, TV. I'll be back on the other side of this break with Kathleen Martin. Don't go away. friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
And we're back. Uh, this is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Kathleen Martin is my special guest this hour. And before we get back to Kathleen, I would just like to remind you about some of the other programming we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network. We have Healing Within with Patty Conklin, Cal Corpse Cal's Corner, Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Biteman, Too Good to Be True with Justina and Peter Marsh. Uh, let me see here. We also have A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. And that's just some of the programming we have available for you with our compliments at www.xzbn.net. As I said, Kathleen Martin is our special guest. We're talking to Kathleen about her new book, Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. Uh, you kind of threw me for a loop uh, as we were going into the, uh, into the break when you said that people actually try and perpetrate hoaxes on MUFON. Why would they do that? <laughs> I, I suppose they think they might be able to get away with it. Uh, I have received photographs mm -hmm. from uh, field investigators, uh, not too many, but uh, of fluorescent marks that have been put on people's skin with a fluorescent magic marker. Oh, for goodness sake. So, and, and I have investigated a case that was very perplexing to mm -hmm. the field investigator, Denise Stoner, uh, whom I wrote the alien abduction files with, and I investigated this case. We did uh, an extensive investigation and discovered that... Uh, it was a hoax. It was uh, a young man who uh, claimed to be an adult who uh, had uh, a live-in girlfriend and claimed that a craft came and landed. And they took her and she was missing. Hmm. And so, you know, the first thing that we thought about was, I wonder if he murdered her and this is his cover-up. What's going on here? And so we had to get the police involved in this as well. Well, the police finally tracked it down, and it was a teenage boy. And he had a girlfriend who had run away from home. And uh, the two of them were involved in some kind of uh, game as well that that had a very strange name. I don't even remember the name of it, but it was kind of a space-type name. And uh, in the end, we discovered from the police that, yes, indeed, this was a teenage boy hmm. and his girlfriend who were perpetrating this hoax. Unbelievable, as if they don't have anything better to do with their time. Right. You know, and then, of course, the time that you and Denise Stoner put into it, and I'm sure other members of MUFON, and then you have the law enforcement angle as well. Right. We were not happy, I, I have guess to not. tell you. I guess not. And so the, the police ended up giving this boy a good talking to. When you're, when you, when you're doing your investigations into either uh, close encounters or alien abductions, is there a common thread between all of the people, or is it, does it appear to be random? It appears that there is a common thread among many of the people. I can't say all of them, mm -hmm. and I'm, I, what I'm basing this on is the studies that I have done. I, I believe that it's very, very easy to develop a biased opinion if you're either investigating 
these cases or if you're hypnotizing people. So I have worked on three studies. And the first one had 75 people, 50 experiencers in a 25-person control group. The second study was through the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Encounters. And it was free study. We now have 4,200 participants in their questionnaire. And then, as I said earlier, Dr. Don Sidonderi, and I worked on a study for three years Mm -hmm. for the Mutual UFO Network, which ended in 2018. So from all of these studies, we were able to establish common threads among experiencers. Uh, And uh, there are many, in fact, but some of the uh, most... Uh, common and percentages is uh, generational contact among abductees. Abductees uh, were, and and everyone who took part in this study, were asked, uh, did you uh, wake up with the symptoms of sleep paralysis? We went into it saying, your your body was paralyzed, you Mm -hmm. could move only your eyes, you saw figures. And uh, with this, 74% of the experiencers overall and 90% of those who were actually abducted, and that was identified by uh, a a test that Dr. Donderry administered, uh, had, had sleep paralysis. But then we went on to ask, Uh, Were you awake when the paralysis occurred? So were you awake, you saw uh, entities in your environment, and then you became paralyzed? Well, 60% of the abductee group had that happen. But overall, with everyone who took that questionnaire, only 36% had had that. So it was highly significant among those who uh, are UFO abductees. And I think that it was very important to separate that group out because they're the ones who have the most evidence, the ones who are most often uh, studied, Mm -hmm. the ones whose cases are investigated. And uh, they... I had mentioned some of the things that they have in common earlier, but something that is, I think, very important is that these experiences make them more spiritual, more psychic or intuitive, more empathic, and it changes their view of the world where they do no longer look upon themselves as a part of a small group, family, town, country. They see themselves as part of something much larger. Now, besides the psychological profiles that are done on these experiencers, are they also given physiological testing to see if there's anything that could be responsible uh, from a physiological point of view to generate the experiences as to whether or not the experiences are true or false. We can 
only get that accomplished if they are willing mm-hmm. to go to their own doctor, to uh, pay for their own uh, physiological examination, right. and to submit the evidence to us. This happens sometimes in investigations. Denise Stoner did this. When I investigated her case uh, that ended up being in the a- alien abduction files, But we do not have funds. All of our studies are self-funded. I see. And none of us are multimillionaires. So, uh, you know, this is a taboo subject. It's been frowned upon by the academic community and the mainstream scientific community for many, many years. There was, uh, and I, we wrote in fact fiction and flying saucers, uh, the uh, orchestrated plan to launch a cover-up uh, after uh, the scientific study on UFOs took place headed by Dr. Edward Condon. After that study, and, and despite the real results of the study, he informed the National Academy of Sciences that there was nothing to this. And uh, so the National Academy of Sciences took his word for it. If you read the, the, the report, you'll find that uh, there actually was something to it. And a study was done a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, and 30% of those cases were believed to be true unknowns, right. significant. So, uh, but after that, the cover-up was launched by people like Edward Condon, um, Dr. Donald Menzel, uh, Philip Klass, and, and others. And uh, it was quite successful. And all of those details are in my last book with Stanton, Fact Fiction, and Flying Saucers. You and I have to take our commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. Kathleen, please stand by. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about Kathleen and the book that we're talking about this hour, Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted, visit her website, Kathleen-Marden.com on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash Kathleen.Marden. This is the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, thank you, Craig. You scared the heck out of me. If you'd like to uh, send us an email, X-Zone at com on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV. And don't forget... You can watch us 724-365 on the Exxon TV channel exclusively on Simul TV. And of course, listen to the great programming we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. I'll be back on the other side of this break with Kathleen Martin. Don't go away. friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, everyone. Don't forget the X Chronicles newspaper. The current edition is always available at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. Kathleen Martin is my special guest. She is the author of Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. Her website is kathleen-martin.com. So when you're doing your, your psychological profile, is this done over the internet? Is it done by mail or is it done over the phone? Do these people actually see um, an investigator? How is it done? Well, are you talking about Dr. Don C. Don Derry's uh, Amer- American Personality Inventory? I, I'm talking about the, the data that you used to write your book. Oh, okay. So that was the the psychological uh, profile mm-hmm. was established uh, in a test that was administered by Dr. Don C. Don Derry. Uh, it was called the American Personality Inventory, and it was developed uh, with Bud Hopkins, the late great abduction researcher, and also Ted Davis, who is a psychiatric social worker on Long Island. And uh, the it was developed uh, specifically to identify those individuals who have the characteristics of having had a real abduction with the psychological uh, implications and the knowledge that abductees have, uh, secret knowledge. And there were three groups. When you take that test, you can either fit into the abductee group mm-hmm. or you can fit into the simulator group or the wannabe group, meaning that you have read a lot of books about this. You would really like to be in this category as an abductee or an experiencer, but you're not. And then there is another group, which is just uh, the general population group. And those are individuals who don't have a lot of knowledge about extraterrestrial contact and abduction. And they don't fit the psychological profile either. But what happens if, hypothetically now, what would happen if that the questions that are being asked on the psychological profile build-up sheet are incorrect. What happens if these questions are skewed for a certain response in order to get the ET connection? Well, I'll tell you, I have taken that test. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's impossible. Really? It is impossible to know anything. The, there's not one question that 
you can you can think yes this this means uh, this person is an abductee no uh it's an incredible exam and because uh, administered by uh, a man with a phd in psychology mm-hmm. who did an incredibly good job standardizing this exam but but my question also also gets to another point that if we do not know, if we do not have all the answers about the ET question, how can we successfully administer a test that will get the results based on the reality of the subject? Well, Dr. Don Derry says mm-hmm. that you know it, it's more than just the test. You also have to have the investigation. But so uh, okay, the investigation. How is the investigation administered? Um, the investigation is by a field investigator, and almost all of the people mm-hmm. on my team are field investigators who specialize in uh, abduction investigations. They know what to look for. They know how to collect evidence. So it's it's based on that as well. Are are the members of your investigation team are they experiencers or abductees themselves? Some are. Some aren't. Hmm. Just getting back to what we were talking about earlier with the Condon report, um, why do you think that the scientific community and academia still looks at the work that is being done by such organizations as MUFON as insignificant? I think that it has been so stigmatized mm-hmm. uh, and intentionally so. Why? That, uh, well, it started with the federal government back in 1953 uh, after UFOs were seen up and down the East Coast during the spring and mm-hmm. summer of 1952. You remember that there were UFOs over uh, the Capitol in Washington, sure. yeah. D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a scientific study done. Uh, And the first uh, head of Project Blue Book was doing a very good job of uh, studying this and uh, taking statistical data, giving this a very methodical study, and even doing chi-square analysis. And then in 1953, January, the CIA-funded Robertson panel met and uh, the goal of that panel, it appears, uh, based upon all of the study that I've done on it and have written about it in Fact Fiction and Flying Saucers, uh, that panel uh, did not want the public to focus on UFO sightings. They thought there was too much of it going on, mm-hmm. that uh, it was a threat to the functioning of the body politic and uh, it could create problems for the government. And so then there was a methodical, well-orchestrated plan to debunk UFOs, to uh, consider those who were uh, leaders in UFO organizations Uh, as uh, people who ought to be watched and followed, and uh, 
to have scientists, prominent scientists, write reports and books, anti-UFO books, where they would use uh, kind of prosaic explanations, such as weather phenomena, uh, to explain everything. Now, it's interesting to me that um, Dr. Donald Menzel, who uh, Stanton Friedman studied in at length, uh, Stanton went to Dr. Menzel's uh, archival collection at Harvard. He had to get uh, permission to do that. And uh, he discovered that Donald Menzel had a very long-standing association with the National Security Agency. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, it was uh, with naval intelligence. He, of course, was an astrophysicist at Harvard, but he was very, very closely entwined with the military. And uh, it was his goal to debunk UFOs. As early as the summer of 1952, he met with military officers at the Pentagon, and he told them that he had done a few simple uh, scientific experiments and that he was writing articles that would debunk UFOs based upon those simple experiments that he did. He wanted their support. Well, they refused to support him, and he was very angry about that. But in the end, he got what he wanted. And uh, that was through the Robertson panel that they ignored compelling evidence. Let me just give you an example. Sure. Uh, There uh, was a family, the military man and his family, who uh, were um, driving across country. They were just north of Tremonton, Utah, when he... Uh, his wife pointed out shiny objects in the sky that didn't look like anything she could identify. He stopped the car, he got out of the car, and he was a a photographer for the Navy Mm -hmm. with a thousand hours of flying time. So he set up his equipment he, and he started uh, taking uh, motion pictures of it. And By that time, they had flown into the distance. But that film that he took went to the Air Force, and they did a frame-by-frame analysis of the footage. It also went to the Navy. They did a frame-by-frame analysis. And they were attempting to identify what this these things were in the sky they considered birds they considered balloons uh aircraft all sorts of prosaic explanations but neither the air force or the navy could come up with a valid explanation all right kathleen please stand by we have to take our final break explanation kathleen martin is our special guest her latest book is extraterrestrial contact what to do when you've been abducted. Her website, www.kathleen-martin.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton. No, we're not in Hamilton anymore. In Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. 
all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Kathleen Martin about her new book entitled Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. Once again, her website, Kathleen-Martin.com. Kathleen, why do you think that the government is going through such, you know, such strange measures in order to discredit and to get the public to think that everybody who's involved with UFOs are a little strange. What are they trying to hide? Well, uh, for many years they they had done this. I was mm-hmm. talking about the Robertson panel yes. and uh, how the the Air Force and the Navy had uh, spent hours studying this footage. Well, mm-hmm. an example of what the scientists did is they viewed that footage, and one of them said, "Gee, those look like birds that I see off the coast of California." Mm-hmm. And so the other scientist said, "Well, we agree they look like birds. Send this video back to the Air Force and the Navy for reevaluation." That was not scientific. That was a cover-up. Why would, and, well, how, wait, wait a second, I'm having a hard time understanding how that's a cover-up. How that's a cover-up? Yeah. Because they would not accept, here are scientists who refuse to accept the scientific evidence. Okay, hold on here. I, I'm, I must be missing something. Because from what I understand, this person took the film footage. It was sent to the Navy, sent to the Air Force for a frame-by-frame analysis. The Navy and the Air Force could not identify what was in this film. So they, in turn, send it to a group of scientists. The group of scientists come up with the plausible explanation that they are birds. They send back the film to the uh, Army and the Navy for re-evaluation. Have I got that correct? Well, not exactly. Okay, what am I missing (laughs) here? That group of scientists Mm -hmm. were only, it was a small group of scientists who did no scientific analysis. That's the important thing. What kind of scientists? The scientists who did Mm -hmm. the analysis could not identify it, even though they spent a thousand hours on frame-by-frame analysis. Okay, I understand that. Okay, so, so the big problem with this is that the scientists who received the film from the army from the navy and the air force did not do a significant enough analysis of what they were presented with they did no analysis oh okay they uh, watched uh, a film mm-hmm. they watched a video of uh, the video that delbert newhouse right. the navy man took and a video of seagulls okay. flying. Okay, no, I, I understand that. I understand that. 
But just because they didn't do a significant enough analysis, according to some people, I don't see a cover-up here. They did zero analysis, and that was just an example of Mm -hmm. one of the pieces of evidence that they looked at when, uh, in the end, Mm -hmm. they were clearly concerned about the threat of psychological warfare and if public hysteria caused an overload of false UFO reports, yeah. it could threaten national security, but, they said. But you so must, they had to cover it up. But you also must have to take into consideration that these were trying times of the Cold War as well. They were trying so, times of the Cold War, but what they wanted to do... Mm-hmm is to reduce public interest in all of this. And uh, in 1953 and mm-hmm. 1954, right. uh, there were new uh, military, uh, I can't call them laws, there were uh, rules yeah. put in uh, stating that in order to reduce public interest, mm-hmm. Anyone in a military position who had observed a UFO that could affect national security could not reveal that information to the public under okay. the threat of time in prison okay. and a very and a ten thousand dollar fine, which was a lot of money back then. Still is. Yes. So, but I don't understand. That makes sense to me because if you the like national security in my book takes the priority above all, it, it does. I don't believe that members of the military should really reveal information to the public because the public does not need to know when it comes to national security. I don't know that visitors from other planets. But we don't yes. know. We don't know if they're visitors from other planets. Let's be honest. There's no physical evidence to substantiate those claims. With you're correct that we don't know for certain that they're right. from other planets. We know there is substantial evidence that UFOs uh, have been observed, mm-hmm. have been photographed. We recently have the. Uh, videos from the uh, ATIP program mm-hmm. run by Lou Elizondo out of the Pentagon. And, and and his credentials are under investigation right now because he apparently isn't who people are claiming he is. So there's an investigation going on on that. We just have to make sure that that's clear. Well, some people are interested in investigating that. Others have investigated mm-hmm. it. And uh, they are satisfied with his credentials. But I know that the uni- the UFO community is investigating it now. Certain members of the UFO community. As well as certain members of Congress. Okay, I was not aware of certain members of Congress investigating him. So there's a lot to go on here, especially when there's a lot of hearsay evidence. Because... Photographs that that are being presented as evidence, we don't know what it is, what they are. When it comes to the Tic Tac, we can't say for certain that that was a, an extraterrestrial, uh, extraterrestrial vehicle. We there- can only listen to the 
uh, eyewitness mm-hmm. reports of the military pilots who stated mm-hmm. that they uh, divide our physical laws. Our known physical laws. Our known physical laws that uh, they uh, maneuvered in Mm -hmm. such a way that uh, we cannot maneuver. And uh, uh, the human body, as far as we know, Mm -hmm. couldn't survive those maneuvers. But once again, we don't know what the military is up to. We don't know how advanced military weaponry has gotten. There's so much we don't know. Stanton and I did a lot of talking Mm -hmm. about this. And the conclusion that we came to is if our military or any other military around the world had this technology, why aren't they winning wars? Why are they not using it to go into space? How do Uh, we know they're not? Well, as far as we know, they're not, unless there is some secret space program and some people in the UFO community believe there is, but I don't have evidence for that. You're really going out on the fringe. But do we have evidence? I think that that hypothesis is equal to the the hypothesis brought on to, to the general public by the UFO community, saying that everything that is seen in the sky that cannot be identified as a flying saucer from Zeta Reticuli. Well, the UFO community doesn't say that. That's that's not an accurate statement. Uh, the UFO community, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know there's a lot of hysteria yeah. and, and, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but in the UFO community that I'm part of, we look for evidence, and and, and we have a lot of evidence. But we have you, physical evidence. What physical evidence? Well, let me give you an example. Sure, we've got about a minute. Oh, <laughs> well, I guess I can't. But uh, anyway, there was uh, a, a UFO that hovered over uh, the ground, and uh, it uh, was the the evidence was collected. Stanton was one of the people uh, who collected. The evidence, mm-hmm. and it was in Delphos, Candace, and uh, it underwent laboratory analysis in several laboratories, and I'm going to have to, I think, finish that uh, in the next segment. Actually, this is the last segment, Kathleen. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's already been three, <laughs> okay. uh, four segments. Listen, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to have you back on to continue this. Uh, congratulations on yet another great book, and Nation, if you'd like to contact uh, Kathleen. Here's how you do it. You can go to her website at www.kathleen-marden.com and visit her Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kathleen.Marden. Once again, Kathleen, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations on a great book, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the Exxon. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, Exxon Nation, we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. You know, it's only been five months or six months that we are down here in Niagara, and yet I still I still make the goof from our studios in Hamilton. Well, I guess that's because we were there for nearly, what, 20 years? Hmm. All right. On to bigger things. I'm going to be talking to Richard Sennett next 
about ghosts, hauntings, and things that go bump in the night. This is The Excellent. I am Rob O'Connell. A place where people dare to believe, as you heard with Kathleen Martin, and a place where people want to get their message out there. Strange times. Strange, nah, interesting. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal single item at regular price ba da ba 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 